Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 201 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, it is another episode of the Media Pit. It's really our first look at Cyclocross in the Media Pit, which is great. We also get into some mountain bike racing. And this is a two-part sort of mega show going against my, I like to stop these things at an hour. And we had a good solid 50 minutes for the first weekend of cyclocross. And then my schedule got a little weird with when these things are going to be released. And then we sort of jammed up into the second weekend of cyclocross. We figured, hey, we'll go back, record that one too. That means this thing got pushed out to about 90 minutes. It's an aberration, but it's jam-packed with good content going to keep the, the the ad space here short and to the point and succinct go to williskitchen.com they got the best oat milk out there period it's usda certified organic non-gmo certified and that is awesome it's also sustainable and it's the creamiest it's the best tasting and you can get 20 percent off by putting in crosshairs 20 as your coupon code at williskitchen.com. Williskitchen.com, crosshairs20. Get a subscription so it just shows up and you never run out of oat milk and you know you're getting the best out there. Also, go over to wideanglepodium.com. Check out everything. Check out all the shows. But I also want to point you towards on the top, top right, there's a little thing that says shop there. And if you do the pull down to shop, you can see where our Grimp Your Brothers link is so you can get your coffee subscription. And then move down from there and you'll see our Buckler Miracle Wap, which I don't talk about a lot, which is a mistake because it's the best chamois cream out there. The Tingle. The Tingle, my friends, is the Miracle. Miracle Wap. Pick up some chamois cream. Pick up some coffee. Willa's Kitchen. Get your oat milk. Hit us up at feedback at cxairs.com. I know you're going to have a lot of questions and comments after this episode. Also, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and get ready for the mega episode. All right. It's Cyclocross Radio. It's episode 201 with Michael and Zach. And we're doing that right now. We are back in the media pit. Before I get to Zach, Michael. How's it going? Bill, you know what? With I feel like this is the first official media pit of the 2021 20, 20, season. Sure. And I've, you know, been, I thought a lot about this moment and I'm really locker and forwarded to it. <laughs> Hi, Zach. I thought you were. I thought you were going to say I'm ready to get ripping. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Well, let me. Let me. I, I had this thought the other day about po- a possible tagline for this show, and it's like it's it's the media pit. It's all the CX news that's fit to spit. <laughs> Dude, that's just TM, too much TMI about your, your spittle laden. In these times, dude, spitting? No, <laughs> Michael. True. All right. All right. Well, you know. All right. We're good. I'm just going to say, I like the wheels well. I'm just going to say, I don't know how these puns bode for the season of the media pit. <laughs> I was gonna say there that I was gonna say that starting out we're a little 
low key RN. <laughs> oh, all right. Hey, that's good. I like it. I like that. We're back. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Pitt yeah. is back. No, seriously. I, you know, I, 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 I watched the Lokeren this weekend, and I was texting y'all like, we, we got it. We got to, we got to fire up the pit because I, I felt the CX stoke. So I'm excited to jump into it. And uh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we, on our agenda, which I feel like we're already throwing out the window, we were going to talk about domestic stuff first. But since we already have this lead into Lokeren. Maybe we just start there and then we'll we'll back we'll backfill with like what's not happening in the US. Let's talk about something that's actually happening. Yeah. Well, we had EK's the e, first EKZ race that happened and you know, it had some names in there. Um right. according to Sven, it was not a top level uh a, a cross race <laughs> since we learned that, you know, Tebow was going to have his debut in a top level cross race at uh at Lokeren. So, yeah, throwing some shade. Throwing there, some Sven. big shade uh, uh, towards the Swiss there. I think, you know, so one of the first things I just because of uh like Bink Bank Tour uh has some cancellations. Uh, we're seeing races being canceled. You know, what's the situation on the ground at the race course? I think the first thing I noticed watching this race was, and it took me a while to figure this out because I thought maybe I'd tuned into a UCI race in the States in late December, but there are no fans. Yes. I, right. Am I correct in, in, in that, in that guess? Yeah, there were, there was a couple, I think that everybody, like each rider had a certain allotment of people that they could bring with them, you know, from right. pit crew swan your and then it seemed like a couple extras there because there was every you know there were a couple corners where there were people there and i don't know if they snuck in or they were you know brought in by by riders but it definitely yeah it, it had a good when i watched it i was like oh this looks familiar i feel like i'm at home this is good <laughs> yeah there was at one point when tunes coming across the finish line in second place and he waves and i'm just like who is he? Who is he waving towards? <laughs> well, that would be the one difference between domestic cross. He's waving to the camera, <laughs> right? Okay, okay. I thought he was waving to the announcer. Um, yeah, that was. It was. Yeah, it seemed like. Yeah, it was like a couple handlers. The media was still there, though. They had photographers. Um, speaking of like you know, no fans, I did notice that there was a few uh, fans watching from a boat in a canal. So. I did see that. That seemed yeah. to be the, the way you could skirt those rules. And uh, what field? Is it? Is it Candlestick? Is that even a stadium anymore? Uh, I was going to say, I also noticed the boat, Bill. Uh, you, you're well acquainted. It had a very Rochester feel to it. Yes. Down at that corner. I was uh, trying I to figure out what it looked a... like. But yeah, because it was pretty grassy. Nothing really super technical there, but some some sort of ups and downs and stuff. Yeah. I think I, I'm I think talking about the call. boats. Remember and down at that corner, yeah, at like Hyde's Landing or whatever. I don't, I don't. We didn't have a name for it, but there was that <laughs> corner where there were just people floating up and hanging out on their boats at a run up. So yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, kind of an interesting course. It felt very. Sorry, I spaced out when you got. How do we say the name again? Atheist. Atheist. So it's like yeah. atheist without That's, the T. So atheist. I don't know. It kind of had that vibe. It had some, you know. Very non-memorable kind of course, uh, but I don't know. It had some interesting, I mean, uh, 
some moisture, some mud. So it looked, you know, kind of challenging and technical. So kind of had a later in the season vibe. It wasn't a dry, you know, September, whatever, whatever we call them. Well, let's, uh, yeah, let's jump jump in with, with the women. And I guess n- notables out here, you had Lucinda Brand racing. You had Yara Castellane racing. You had Sane Kant, Laura Verdanchant, Sheeran Van Anroy. Um, a little farther down, I think, who would say f- bigger names? Anna Kay, of course, Ellen Van Loy, Lois Sells, uh, Burger Time. And um, I-, I think those were the ones we were looking for. Oh, Zoe Backstead in there. Oh, you had Mod Capitines. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, sort of, sort of, you know, standard, you know, top 10 of, of, of Belgian or sorry, Euro cross races. But who didn't, who didn't we have there? No, no Alvarado, no worst, no worst. Worst is hurt, right? Still injured from mountain biking incident. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. She took a spell and Alvarado is racing. She's at well, Nova I mean, we'll have, by the time this post will mm-hmm. have raced at the world cup in yep. mountain biking. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So that meant that, uh, of course, some opportunities for some non Dutch riders, right at the top. <laughs> I I was gonna say when you were like and who who wasn't there I thought you were referring to the uh, the list that you mentioned you didn't mention the winner I think that is really the story of this race to me well is, that was it right, I was yeah. I was I was listing the names that I think that all of us were more accustomed to so Zach what happened uh, well we had a we had a, another young rider uh, this is a shock this may come of a shock as a shock for the last couple of years but another young Dutch rider as the the Dutch took they took the wide angle podium. Uh, but Anik Van Alpha, I was trying to get the Alfen? pronunciation. Is it I don't know. It sounded like Van Alpha on okay. the pronunciation, but we'll go with Van Alphen. Um, I, I did some digging uh, because this is a name that we haven't necessarily heard. And, you know, I mean, she finished 12th in U23 Worlds last year, which is you know, a good result. But I don't think it's necessarily something that suggests winning the first major cross race of the year. Um, I don't know. Did you guys look through her results and try to f- pick some out that stood out to you? Yeah, she got second, uh, what, at Essen and, uh, you know, St. Nicholas. She sort of was around. I, I think she stands out a lot last year was, you know, she was kind of hitting there, thereabouts, but also she's, she's, she's bunny hopping the barriers. And so I think the sort of the big story for me when watching this was, she bunny hopped the barriers at speed and it wasn't something that just happened in the race. It was actually at a moment, it was a strategical move to get a gap on Betsema and, and, and that was it. And so I think that was to me, I don't know if it's well, did- groundbreaking is the right word, but like it's happened now. Like bunny hopping is going to have to be like, you got to learn how to bunny hop now in the women's field. Yeah, I think. I, I think that's correct. And I'd even go further than that in that it is now no longer a novelty, but a skill you have to have in that, you know, we talk about, uh, uh, Anik Van Halen. I'm going with Van Halen, um, winning. And then her teammate, new teammate, man and backer in second, both of them riding the right. planks and riding away from Betsema who had to dismount at a high speed uh, dismount and, and lost time every, every lap. And that's, that's where they were able to gap her off. So in this instance, yeah, no longer a novelty. This is something in the men's field. We saw it sort of transfer over what, like four or five years ago and now moving to the women's field also. And is this, that is a skill that you must have now to compete going forward. And we already saw 
this early, it being a difference in the team. So uh, Van Alphen taking the win, Backer in second, both of them, of them racing for this uh, freestyle, uh, this credit shop freestods team. You know, another new new team out there. Well, is it? It's just uh, it was Creafins last year. So rename team, but then they're the the new member of that team, Yara Castling, right? Right. Yeah. Is this the new seven seven seven? I'm gonna say no because this is the the team you know because this has lots a men's team, right? So also is seven 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 still a team? I think so. Uh, does seven seven seven? I mean, does this team have Anne Marie Worst and Celine Del Carmen Alvarado? Well, no. Then the answer to your question is no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> were you were you surprised that Castellin was the third finisher on that team? Yes. Definitely surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think watching Castellin race, you know, one of the critiques we've had is her technical skills. And I don't know, like, whatever this course, whatever, didn't show us that she had improved those. Or maybe she has, but it, it it wasn't apparent in the way she raced. She kind of had to come from behind a little bit. So um. I think um, for me watching this and I, uh, I don't know, there's this quote from The Wire that just keeps getting back in my head. And, I, you know, Wire fans, I think it's in like season three or four, Cuddy uh, gets out of jail and he comes back. And, you know, he's basically I think it was like Slim Charles is like, oh, the game is the game. It's just gotten fiercer. And I, that was really my impression um, watching Van Alphen race. Like, she was so aggressive. And, I mean, and you were seeing her attack features that I, I feel like, you know, uh, that maybe in the women's field we didn't see attacked in that way before. I mean, there was one where, like, Betsimo went around her and she was just like, no, I'm, I'm actually going to get back. This was in, like, the third lap or something. And she just exploded past her. And I think... This is kind of the trend that we started to see last year is, you know, and Bill, we've talked about it uh, during the summer is I think the game is changing. I think that we're seeing this different racing style and it was really awesome to see just how aggressive she was and really no holds barred, you know, and at the end she was racing against Bakker and I, you know, she got a gap and she attacked Bakker kind of caught up and then she just, <laughs> just nailed this downhill and just exploded. And it was like, hell yeah, this is going to be a fun season. Like, yeah. For sure, and you know, to to sort of put a pin on my um, earlier statement of of Worst and Alvarado not being there, if this opened the door for some non-Dutch uh, riders to come in at the top, the answer to that question would be no. Uh, first <laughs> top five, the wide angle podium, all Dutch in sixth place, brings up our 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 uh, um, the first t- first time of the year, first segment, Michael. What do we got? Well, you know, I'm in New Orleans, and we've had a pretty busy uh, storm season. A lot of a lot of hurricane watches, but this was the first sauna watch, and hard hard to really gauge right now. I mean, sixth place behind all these new fast Dutch. Usually, we see sauna at the beginning of the year, never that hot as is. So, kind of, we're even sauna watch. We're even right now. Uh, she looked. I don't know I, when I when I started watching the race and I saw that she was there. I immediately was like, "Oh, okay, Sana's there. This race is legit." Um, but yeah, hard to tell. I don't know. I mean, is is her period of dominance over? You know, last year a lot of speculation that you know she was saving it all for Worlds, and you know whether or not that was the case that or just like you said, 
Zach, the game has gotten harder. Uh, who knows? So I'm glad that she's there racing and, you know, Belgian, Belgian champ still has that elite status. Um, <laughs> first, first Belgian, first Belgian, right? <laughs> so yes, yeah, on a watch, on a watch one, not sure, possibly on form. <laughs> And then, uh, Zach, a little further down, uh, Laura Verdonshaw, Sheeran Van Enroy, Anna Kay coming in seven, eight, nine, and then Ellen Van Loy, uh, finishing up the, the top 10. Um, I, I, I kind of was curious to see what, what, uh, the, the, the young guns out there, Van Enroy and Anna Kay were going to do. And it's, um, I don't know. What do you think? It seems, seems kind of like a B grade for them. I mean, can we can we can we really just cut to the chase? I mean, we sure. we've got the we've got the number one man on the Star Casino watch here, Michael, the Star Casino kit. We okay. we just got to do it. I, I, you're right. We this this this, this should we're burying the lead here. You've we've seen the pictures. We've seen it in the backyard <sighs> with the dog. Now we're seeing it live in racing conditions. Uh, I. I'm I like the bikes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of a solid color kit. Yep. Like I, I have I have a hard time. I like the riders. Sometimes it's hard to trash the kit. I, I make the shorts black and then it just it's so much faster. Yep. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. It was I mean it was good to see I liked seeing Anna K out there in the new kit, front row start, had a good shot. Um just couldn't hold it, but yeah. I guess if they went red and black, though, they would just look like um, Paul was. So I don't know. So, Bill, I'm going to I'm going to roll with this, though, and because it, it kind of relates to something that I did want to talk about. Um, I think that we if you look at <laughs> Cyclocross 24 and they conveniently give us riders racing ages, uh, you look at that top 10. We only had three riders over the age of 27, I believe. Uh, so one of the, I guess, elder statesmen of the women's cross peloton now is Lucinda Brand. And yeah. very interesting, you know, she's been a very good racer on the road, you know, especially in these one day races. And she's kind of going all in on cross, which is definitely something that to me is a very interesting move. Oh, yeah. um, you know, suggesting that perhaps there is enough money to be made racing women's cyclocross now, especially, you know, like women's racing, they don't really treat them very well in Europe. Um, so I don't know, very interesting to me uh, as someone to watch making that decision and deciding to go all in on cyclocross. Cause we've seen her very close, you know, last two years at worlds to winning really. Um, so definitely something I'll have my eye on. <laughs> Yeah, I, and she's, you know, it, it was interesting because she's not up against her normal foes up that yeah, we've already, I've already matched, mentioned ad nauseum with Hurst uh, and uh, Alvarado, but still on the podium, but just a, a, a different, a different two Dutch women in, in front of her. So I, I think, you know, we always talked about, we always sort of like gave, gave a little bit of a um, pass to the, to the Euros when they were at the world cups in the U S cause I mean, a lot of them didn't want to be there or they weren't all the way trained up and ready to go. Um, this is an interesting one. I, I, I still, I still don't think that we're going to know how things shake out from this race. I, re I really feel like, especially with it being a C2 being a little smaller race that this was more or less, let's just sort of get our feet wet and race some cyclocross. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, do you guys want to move to the men's race? Let's do it. 
looking just at the men's results, and it, it feels just like last year, uh, September, no wow, and no Vanderpool. You know, not, not nothing too surprising in 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 the in the podium there and in the wide angle podium. Um, you know, little little less action in that race in the women's race. Um, but Eli wins it. Uh, Ellie, sorry, Ellie, Ellie wins it. Tune in second, and and Sweek in third. Um, the the opposite of the uh, women's race, where this was uh, top five Belgians before before right. before Ryan Camp stuck <laughs> snuck in there as first Dutch. Yeah, Ryan Ryan Camp. I didn't realize he was on uh, the Sauces team. That must be new, huh? Uh, I think it was last year. I think he was on there last was it? year. Okay, yeah, yeah but definitely. Um, uh, he was he was in there. They're, they they had a nice group ride going on. Well, he, I was going to make the comment that he got dropped from the group group ride there for a little while <laughs> before because uh, Tone had some some issues. So for a while there, you know, it was Ezer Beach, Swick, Van Tornout, and then uh, Camp up there, all all sauces, right? So they were in tune, tune Vanderbosch. Oh, right? and tune Vanderbosch, yeah, mix too? up there as well. Said, well. Uh, well, Tom Mason was up in the mix too, right? I, like I wanted was, to talk about Tom Mason. He was getting but, some. He was getting some love for that for the hens. Yeah, for sure. And he was he was sort of pushing the pace the first first couple laps. Um, for a guy that we know doesn't like to get off his bike, there was a very long climb. No, I think he was riding that. It was there was one point where they were all dismounting, but Ailey was still able to to hang on on sort of that um, the other the other sort of bumpy uphill that I think that's where he lost and where he finally had a dismount. I think it's just Mason finally was like, I don't like this running part, and then then he <laughs> well, dropped back. Well, I know in the the lap where uh, where our boy, well, we'll get to him, but yeah, there was the lap where uh, Ailey. I can't Ailey. say his. Ailey. It, it's okay. It's preseason. We're yeah. still working into it. Ely, uh, he wrote it, but <laughs> but Tom also wrote it, and the two of them actually kind of gapped. That was pretty early in the race. I mean, I think it's worth pointing out that probably a lot of folks didn't watch this race, and you might look at the time gaps and say, "Row, this is going to be a terrible year because you know Ely beat Tone by a good forty five seconds." Tone missed his pedal twice at the start, and then I th- I'm pretty sure he crashed or had like there were these weird divots that they had to ride. So he was actually motoring back through. We should never use the word motoring. Um, he was <laughs> cruising back through the field before finishing second. So I wouldn't re- necessarily read too much into that. However, in third place, bum bum bum, Michael Lawrence Week. I mean. Not not really making the case, is he? Like, wouldn't he have to beat Ellie to be elite? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I, you know, I mean, he was closer. He was battling with uh, Van Torenhout for that third I mean, it, spot on the podium. It just goes back to what we were saying before. Does 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 the Belgian tricolor on your chest? Does that make you elite? Yeah, where do I forgot where we left off with that last year? Um, but. I don't know. It was very much in the air. I think we did a detailed analysis, and uh, the question so, remain the question remains. I and I think it's going to come so up. So, I think Bill just made dropped a subtle note there: the Belgian tricolor on your chest. Who else has the Belgian tricolor on their chest? The Sana watch. <laughs> so, can we talk about the debut? And well, I don't know as much to talk about the debut of little of Tebow Nice. 
Um, but one thing that I did notice was that the director of the broadcast definitely brought back the nice cam. We got, we got the check-ins to see how Tebow was doing in that race. And he finished 18th. 18th. He was in the, yeah. he was in the young gun, uh, the young, the young lions group ride. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> behind the hens. Behind the group of hens. I, I don't know if there's any relation here. I'm assuming there is, but Wheats the Mason beat him. He's a 19-year-old. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, the, the thing I found interesting, I, I made my snarky Twitter remark about the globalization of cyclocross in, in these in these times. I, I, I feel like the, the Belgians um, sort of have what they want now uh, in, in these pandemic times. Out of what is it, 40, 74 riders? We had 70 Belgians, and then they allowed five Dutch guys to race as well. <laughs> so, the you so we should blame COVID on the Belgians. Well, I think that 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 you know, in in much the way that we're seeing policies in the world that are being able to sort of like sneak under the the noise that the pandemic has created, the the uh, cyclocross um, epicenter has become very even more Belgian centric, and it'll be interesting to see if that uh, that nut is cracked at any point. 70, 76 riders. That's, that's quite a lot. Yeah. That, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big field. Just noticing that. I, I was, I um, was almost fooled. Uh, one of the, one of the, um, DNS was, uh, Johnny Vermeeren. <laughs> well, Dieter also did not finish. Dieter, Dieter did not make it to the, to the finish either. That is. And D- Dieter is on a new team. Uh, credit, credit shop free studs. I had another note in here, um, something I noticed in the broadcast was the side-by-side cam. I don't know if you guys noticed that. When they showed, at some point, they showed uh, Toon was chasing Ellie, they showed them both go through the same turn with a split screen. I don't think I've seen that before. Just thought it was a cool Yeah, that's a nice feature. Cool addition to the, to the show. Sort of like uh, the, time, the time trial, uh, road time trial look to it. Side by side yeah. comparison. Uh, the other note, just to just to go back to our EKZ uh, race, and I don't know if this <clears throat> supports Sven's point or not. Uh, second place in that race, a guy that was probably driving the race the whole time, Lars Forster, ended up winning. But the guy uh, with a lot of the moves was uh, Opie Bastens, old Vinny, our buddy Vinny, uh, in here as well, but ended up down in thirteenth place. So if that is a gauge of what last week's race versus this week's race looks like i think that's our if we can do that if we can do that comparison uh on the podium one week and then here with a i'd say stronger field down down in 13th but vinny's looking vinny's looking strong where does lars slot into this field if you had to guess lars forster yeah i think for a race like this i think he still does does pretty well i don't i i put him at least top 15 maybe even knocking on the door of top 10 i, I give him top 10 i put Lu- i put lucas flukiger if he could stay upright um up there as well <laughs> well they're, they're both racing uh, in nove huh 
Yeah, and the interesting thing is they had the short track for Nova Mesto, and and I was like, well, Lars Forrester, we saw him just crushing cyclocross. <laughs> He's obviously going to be up there in the in the short track, and just not not the case. Maybe it's too wet for him. Right. <laughs> well, so we, uh, I, I don't know, we talked about how, like, we've got some races that are going on and some that aren't. And I know in the, the show notes we put as a potential topic. So let's, I don't know, let's talk a little Nova Mesto short track. Yeah, let's do it. It's a race that happened. It involved, I mean, some cyclocross people. Well, so especially some cyclocross women. So let's let's talk about the women's short track. Yeah, I, I will say this. If, if you are tuning in, to our show and you are a cyclocross fan but you may have never dipped your toes in the mountain bike uh world you're missing out you're missing out on short track which is basically a cyclocross race and then you're missing out on just the the cross country races which and i know i've said this before but it, it have have become now with the red bull coverage have become much more cyclocross enthusiast friendly like you can watch the race and you'll it'll look familiar to you they're going to be doing six seven laps of this course they're going to be hopefully racing in in a pack and 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 it will be strategic so it's definitely it's definitely something to to catch up on and now since we know cyclocross is the sport that drives every other sport that we learned in road (laughs) racing that you have to race cyclocross to to do well like you know uh taddy pogachar uh that (laughs) (laughs) what was he slovenian like uh, a junior champ Cyclocross champion? Can I can I ask a question? Yes. And I, I'll I look it up. I, I, I you know uh, I'm going to do this. Please. You know, I was former editor of Cyclocross magazine, and we always liked to draw on the cyclocross ties. But with the world, t- I mean, can we really consider Alaphilippe a cyclocrosser? I mean, is there's got to be some sort of like statute of limitations? Didn't like get if you quit in as world? a junior, <laughs> huh? You get second in worlds. But does I mean sure like in 2013 or something yeah. like I mean didn't it wasn't I, that the I, whole there's thing there's got to be we've got to establish a, a statute I, so of limitations. should it be should it be the uh, Peter Sagan rule what's the Peter Sagan well, I mean rule? he everybody's like oh he raced he was he, the same thing like he did okay like I think in Junior Worlds once in cyclocross so maybe you have to race like as an elite Ooh. I don't know I just I feel like. There's got to be some kind of rule. I, we, we can't keep stretching this and kidding. I mean, especially in if it's a case where they did it and they were good and then did stopped. They like made like is Logan Owen still a cycle crosser? Yeah. But then you have guys who did it as an only like uh, Isagar who like, you know, ran into a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's obviously not working out well for him. So that, <laughs> Do we want to call get gain? He didn't gain any skills. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you, Zach. I think it's I think it's like a fun thing to talk about, but like, yeah, Alaphilippe, he's not a cyclocrosser. He's a freaking road world champion. I mean, yeah, he's a roadie. So I mean, I'll just I mean, like I'll pose it to our listeners. You know, chime in, let us know, send a le- send something to feedback at cxairs.com. Let us know what you think. I, I want to get to okay, the bottom of this. How about this? How about this? Is Stevie is Stebar still a cyclocrosser? Yes. He's a okay. three-time he's, I mean, he's world champion. In the last two years. You know, that's yeah. He's 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 raced. I'm finger quoting here, yeah. guys. But like at least, but he's part- <laughs> he's done a cyclocross race. Like he has right. Ma- yeah, got I mean, on a cyclocross bike and three-time is- world champion, two-time. Yeah. So obviously, like he ha- okay. So 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 unlike Zach, you've argued that like if you can lose elite status, like in 
you can be no longer considered elite uh, in a sport. Can you lose your cyclocrosser title if you've done so much road afterwards? Like, it's not that you've you done so much road. Yet. It's that you don't participate in cyclocross like in the last five years. Like you don't do it anymore. What if it's where does the origin story come into this though? Because look at the athletes that we as cyclocross fans say, oh, we lost him. Lars Boom. Oh, we lost him. He went to the road. We lost him to the road. Right? Isn't that the thing? We're talking to like Wouten Vanderpool right now. Oh, we're going to lose them to the road. Doesn't that doesn't that just you know Stebar was the same way? We lost them to the road. Doesn't that then put you into the the category of a cyclocrosser if you have if 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 the fan base is like oh gosh we're not going to see him race cyclocross anymore <laughs> as opposed to uh, you know somebody like Pogachar where we were like oh well that's kind of a novelty maybe he ski jumps too that would be cool as well. <laughs> Well, sure. It's, I mean, it's, it's a novelty, but yeah, I think, I mean, if you're mentioning it that way, I mean, couldn't it also be a, uh, a form of betrayal? I mean, they've decided that they've moved on to something better and I appreciate Stibar every year. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do five races. Cause I still enjoy this. Like, I think those are the guys that we should still consider part of, you know, as a cyclocrosser. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, you know, maybe Logan Owen is dipping. Maybe he'll do some more cross. I doubt it, but you know, at least for a season, it was, uh, you know, it was cool to have him back. Yeah, I, I think Steve Barr is a cyclocross racer. I, I just was trying to trying to see how far your 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 boundary went. Um, I think Logan Owen is is a cyclocross racer. He 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 seems to be a guy that was he was brought up right. I mean, he's he won billions of national championships as a cross racer like that. You wear that forever. So okay, so here's the question: Is Sepp Koos a cyclocross racer? No. <laughs> let's no hold on we're going to our cuspus correspondent <laughs> right now <laughs> beep, beep. Beep, beep. breaking news boost. breaking news going to the cuspus <laughs> nah well is he a mountain biker <laughs> didn't is that that's how we started right yeah mountain biking so i guess to, to to make this an easy segue into a true cyclocross racer who's also who uh Interestingly, would say that she does cyclocross for fun and it is not her main sport yet kicks ass in it is Evie Richards, who, uh, you know, jumped up to the elites for the first time in mountain biking. I believe this was her first short track race ever. And she out sprinted Pauline from Prevost at the line, like pipped her at the line after just an insane sprint that was like the uh, holy grail scene where they just keep running and running and running. Like this sprint never ended. I think they sprinted four times by the time they were done. Not just that. I mean, she she pulled a Wout Van Aert and she led the entire last lap with the exception. I mean, she kind of like stretched that out. So it wasn't just that. Like she dropped Yolanda Neff. She dropped Kate Courtney. She dropped Elizabeth Brandau, who is somehow a top five short track mountain biker, despite not having the ability to ride a cycle. It just blows my mind. Um, but I mean, she just kind of made her presence. She was like, hello. And it was, it was, hi, my name is Evie and I'm going to do this to you. And, and it was pretty cool to watch. And it, it was, you could see the maturity as well, because one, this isn't an, uh, this both a knock and a, a, 
something that is admirable is Evie is so powerful that, you know, three years ago, her race strategy was I'm going to go out front and then I am never going to give up the lead and then I am going to win. And, you know, it worked for a while until she got into the U23s and then she had, you know, some, some stronger riders there and, and actually had to learn how to ride strategically. You could tell this whole race that she was one of the strongest there and was ready to go the whole time. But I thought she did a really nice job holding back. And I think you're right. I, I was until she went that last lap and I was like, Ooh, this, this may be a little too early. I don't know if this is going to work. And then man, yeah, just powered through that last lap, just tape to tape, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was the kind of thing that we would expect uh Wout during the year of Wout that we're currently experiencing, you know, kind of thing. And I don't know, I, I, I guess maybe I see some parallels. Well, Wout and then again, coach's kid. And as you said, Evie, <laughs> Evie, what tactics Richards. Um, but I just, I kind of <laughs> wonder too, you know, one thing that we talked about over the summer was just kind of this wild card that this season is going to be. And we saw some riders excel and we saw riders like Bernal at the, um, at the tour just clearly didn't do something right with their training. And I kind of wonder if Evie really benefited, you know, she's had some injury issues Mm -hmm. the last two seasons. Now I wonder if she actually benefited from additional time uh, due to the COVID layoff. And so, you know, maybe we might see kind of the Evie that we remember from a couple of years ago, winning Nemur and just blowing everyone out of the water kind of thing. So we've, uh, we've covered some racing here and I think, that uh i mean it's great i mean i feel like we're you know it's kind of a reunion we've been doing some interviews but you know being the first time in the pit i think you're getting some of the the reunion here but we still got to talk some cyclocross and we got some news that we still need to cover yeah i was just to say we're that we're that first race of the year where we're all like trying to sprint and just be dodgy as hell in the corners because we just got all this pent-up energy exactly <laughs> i know and all the inside jokes that we need to catch up on and stuff uh but i think closer to home I, we had talked I called it the pessimistic pit when I sent my file to Bill. But on the episode where we got kind of real, where Michael, you kicked us off with, you know, is sport the reward for a functioning society? Uh, we had kind of predicted that. Obviously not. Cyclocross Nats here in the U.S. would get canceled, and they kind of did. But then they got moved to Iowa City. That lasted um, less than a month. And we got the news that essentially there is no domestic cyclocross this year, both here and in Canada with the big news coming that Iowa jingle Nats are canceled. Yeah. Jingle, jingle Nats. I love that. Jingle Nats got uh, canceled. And then it just sort of from there, you know, we had two North Carolina GP is still the outlier here. We're not really sure what's going on at this point. I really can't see them having a UCI race. There's, there's honestly, there's no point, in doing it, if you're doing a C2 weekend, you're putting up, you know, 15 plus grand in prize money and you may not even get the feel. It just seems like you're going into debt for nothing. You know? Right. Yeah. And that's, and you explained that to me because I, I, I had, because Ruts and Guts seemed like they were just, you know, before Nats had canceled, they were, they're all in, you know, it kind of, they were going to make it happen. They were going to provide the space. And yeah, I did never thought about the cost. But thing. here's, here's the thing. And here's why, I was fine with them doing that if nationals existed is that for 90 
8% of the race organizers, UCI race organizers in North America, the reason that you put on a UCI race is because you care about the sport and you want to give the elite athletes an opportunity to race, an opportunity to earn points, an opportunity to compete on the world scale. That's, that's why you're doing it. A race like DCCX, for instance, you know, and we're sort of in this lucky position. I know all the New England races are in the same. If we didn't have a UCI event, we'd probably make more money, right? Because we're going to get all those people there. We're going to have a successful race. We're going to have 1,200 racers. But we, and, and, and again, now I'm just including everyone, want to give these athletes the opportunity to earn points and to be able to compete. So if there was going to be a nationals, then it made sense for them as weird as it was, you know, it's sort of like we were just talking about the mountain bike season. It's just being a two race season or three race with North Carolina to have these races and to give people the opportunity to have a run into nationals and to earn points. And once nationals went away, both of those promoters said, look, we're not going to go into debt and have 20 elites show up. It's just, it's, it's not, it doesn't make any sense. So they, they, they also cancel the races. So I, I, you know, even though it took, it, it was a long tail for all this to happen. I feel like that I respect them waiting. And then finally, when jingle Nats was finally canceled to say, look, it doesn't make sense for us to do that either. And, and now we all have closure. Now we know, now we don't have to sit there and get yeah. angry on Twitter and yell at USA cycling or whatever else it's, it's done. You know, the cyclocross is done. If, if, if uh, Communities think they can have small races out there. That's that's up to them. But as far as the the national scene that we like to cover, it's it's over. There's there's plenty of people on Twitter to yell at. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> Bill Bill included. Um, I mean, yes, if you want to race cross, you you probably shouldn't do this, but I know for a fact that, uh, we are having a series in Mississippi and Louisiana small. It's going to be, you know, very small, but yeah, I think you're going to see that happen. And I, I agree, Bill it does having that closure feels good. You know, I, th- I imagine for a lot of different people for various reasons, but for me as a photographer and like wanting to go to the scene and like, if that's what's happening, like, okay, well, like I was starting to think, I could go, I can drive there in a day, I can stay at a hotel. You know, there are events that have happened. Bill, you just got back from the Pikes Peak Apex. I was watching all of Carrie Warner's vlogs. Looked like they had protocols and like, it seemed like it was something that could happen. So I was kind of getting my head around that and, uh, you know, weighing the options. But here we are, decisions made for me. And we got Euro. We got all kinds of Euro cross. Maybe, I guess. Well, and that's that's the other point that Zach, right, is that this also, you know, we talked to Becca, we talked to Carrie. This gives them the opportunity now, and, you know, even my conversation with Curtis last week, to remove that huge headache that they had, right? That I have US-based sponsors. There are these two races that are happening. There is nationals. I really, the only opportunity for me to race is to go to Europe. Am I going to sit there and turn around? Is it even possible? Are people going to be pissed off at me if I don't come back? And now now that if they are able to race, at least that piece of the puzzle is removed and they don't have to worry about it. Yeah, and I think that 
if you saw on Twitter, at least the support for the decision was like 100% in support from all the elite athletes, which might come as a surprise. You might think, well, of course, we need our nationals. But I think they wanted that decision to be made. And now they can start making their plans. I know that like the Cannondale team and like I've heard Clara and, you know, Rebecca and Carrie, now they can start making their plans and some other riders making their plans to hopefully get to Europe and get to I mean, if the European season is going to happen in, I mean, it's, you know, as we record this, we lost the, the MVDP, uh, MVDP classic on the road, you know, so we're seeing some of the bigger road races getting canceled. Um, I mean, it's worth mentioning that we're already down to eight world cups and we were at 11, uh, from the original, we've already seen three more have been canceled, including two of the Belgian ones. So now, and we're only in the beginning of October. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually getting kind of concerned. Like Bill, we were talking about it being the season and that's time deadlines don't matter and stuff, but I, I don't know. I guess I'm still just a little wary in terms of how much cyclocross we're actually going to get. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, and even I, I, I've been holding out some hope that, you know, Hooger high to worlds is always a good trip, you know, and they're, they're close together and, and, and to do that. But yeah, I, in the Netherlands seems like, you know, with Amstel canceling with the Bink, what is it, the Bink Bank? Bink, Bink, Bink Bank, Bank Tour. Tour canceling stages. And you have to think that even though Belgium is sort of hanging on, that they're going to be next. And I, 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 I had a little glimpse of optimism a couple weeks ago, but it's, it's starting to starting the to turn the downturn i think is happening and i don't i don't i don't see i don't see many athletes making it over there and many cross races happening interesting okay i i you're uh, all right well we yeah. lost i mean zonabeka just got canceled i mean we're seeing we're seeing races just one after another um kind of getting canceled and i think the world cups is <laughs> certainly certainly disconcerting as well but bill yeah i'm kind of with you you know because i think i said on the podcast that we did i was like i'm gonna have my eyes on how these european road races are going and my gosh they did the entire tour (laughs) i think a lot of us didn't think that that was going to happen but you know that's a huge event where they have the money to do the testing and stuff and do kind of the rolling bubble that they did but we still saw a lot of the one days happened you know riders were traveling internationally but you know europe is experiencing kind of they quelched it for a long time but they're starting to see cases rise again and well you know they're a little bit more they're a little bit quicker on the the draw of shutting things down and putting restrictions on than we are are here in the u.s so you know they don't need florida like increases or well i guess it's up near me in the north dakota south dakota uh thanks to the you know, motorcycle rally or whatever um <laughs> those kinds of increases um for them to really start to put restrictions on and how that might affect these races all right have we covered it all have we done it have we successfully returned to the pit uh, yeah i have i have quickly i i wanted to talk about wout again obviously i'm a wout stan i just want to talk about his his opp for the season it's phenomenal uh, zach give us a refresher on what opp is uh, opp you're on podium percentage so percentage of the races that you finish in the top three. All right. So I have some notes here. If you don't include the stage races, he's done seven races. He's won three. His on podium percentage of those seven 
is 85%. He's been on the podium six out of seven times. In the Tour de France, wow, as a domestique, so to speak, for Primo's, uh, he happened to win two stages. He was on the wide-angle podium five times out of 21 stages, one of them being a mountain stage where he got third. His his WAP percentage for the Tour was 23.8%, which was only bested by Tade Pojigar, the winner of the Tour and the winner of all the other jerseys. So, I mean, Matthew Vander who? But, but Mike... But like, but you can't you can't build a team around him. He's just, he's not the kind of rider that you want to build a road program. I mean, wow, like, Co- he's the coach's know, side. I, I, well, it could be I, your entire I am, team. I am look. I look. Well, I am just. If you haven't seen me on Twitter, this is the year of Wout. I think it's it's pretty much official. There's absolutely nothing that Vanderpool can do at this point. Like 2020, the year of Wout. Super rookie is just going to be chomping at the bit to come back on here now and. uh Defend, defend. Well, I, can we even have? I mean, he's he was so wrong. Like his opinions were so wrong. Like I don't know. I man, I, I if he wants to come back and eat crow for his terrible opinions, that's fine. But you're wout. Well, cool. Well, gents, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad to be back. I'm, I've really enjoyed this trip back into the pit. This see, this is the, all the news that's fit to spit, yo. Okay, we're, we're spitting on the podcast. All right, not printing. Let me start. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we we are we are back. It is days later uh, after we finished the the first part of this. Part of this, and this this actually came from from Zach, which I agree with, is that in in our in our work from home, no racing section of the podcast it was it was it was fine we could go monday you know monday seemed like a good release date nothing was happening and then it was easy to do but once the racing starts we really need a little more time to digest everything so maybe starting to move it back a couple more days so this one will be you know monday tuesday we'll see moving towards more of a wednesday release date and then we can make sure we're up to date with all of the news uh which we wouldn't have been if we had uh just released the first half without the second half. So what we can now talk about is pulled across, which happened this weekend. We can also talk about all of the action that took place uh, in Nova Mesto for the short track and XCO races, which included a lot of cyclocross talent in there. And then a couple odds and ends. And then somehow we're magically still going to do this once it's edited all in an hour. It's not going to be an hour. But also we're going to like go, my understanding is we might be going back to other stuff that we recorded before. So it could just be like this really weird. Yeah. If we want to go behind the, the order behind here. the curtain, I will say that we did record a lot about, not a lot. We recorded a segment on the first mountain bike cross country races. And then I went into a long description about the season that was just absolutely wrong. So, you know. Park. Yeah, Bill, you really got mountain bike, mountain bike speed week totally wrong. I did. And I was. It, it, I thought we were, world championships was coming up, but no, it was no. Yeah, but, I, 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 I had I had this beautiful sandwich analogy that is now it's more now uh, mountain biking is an open face sandwich. <laughs> I guess we're on this topic. I had my first experience of uh, explaining to someone new to cycling about the difference between the World Cup and the World Championships and how there were two World Cups and then a World Championships, but the World Championships had nothing to do with the World Cup. And 
it's not a surprise that even in this two-week mountain bike season, it's still very difficult to describe cycling to a non-cyclist. And then you have to add in the part that, you know, then the, the there's a World Cup competition and somebody is awarded the World Cup winner, but not this year because these are actually just standalone events, even though they're called World Cups. There's no World Cup series since it's just two races. It gets even oh, more to convoluted. Me. Yeah. Yeah, you got to explain it to even a fan. All right. That being said, let's start with cyclocross. Yeah, let's get guys. I mean, I just want to say off the bat, if you, starting your cyclocross race on the edge of an open pit mine is not like the most 2020 thing ever, I don't know what is. So, like, what's going on? What was that? Have like, you ever seen? You the, have you ever seen a start? Could 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 somebody describe exactly what what that? ground material was for that starting stretch at at polder cross i i was i mean it looked like lava rock like in hawaii or something like it was it was kind of insane yeah i don't i don't know i don't know what kind of gravel that would be in your gravel report for uh, amanda's tough tough 10 or tough 20 yeah i'm kind of bummed that i'm guessing that none of the euros are getting in on the gravel report from polder cross <laughs> so kind of a bummer kind of a bummer but what about the rest of this track? You know, usually when we think of European cyclocross tracks, they will be technical and they'll have some, you know, hard features. They'll have like insane sand sections, big run-ups, you know, 10 flyovers on a course if it's flatter. But they're usually, you know, sometimes I think like uh, we look at, you know, like Copenburg Cross where it's definitely a... a field that cows have been in hours earlier and it's super bumpy and it's tough but normally they're pretty well groomed you're, you're sort of like flying out over these tracks this one it looked like they went out maybe the day before with a front loader and just created sections of this course or yeah or just like duck i mean like obviously the features of that course was this these this one giant ditch right yeah and they just basically went back and forth over the ditches, then did some literal field riding in flat, wet sections, and then went back to the ditches. So, like, it was, yeah, it was, it, the, you could see the way that the riders rode. Like, no one actually seemed, um, were, no one was moving deftly about the features. Like, the men, the women, like, everyone looked off kilter, and I, it probably maybe had something to do with with those sort of like last minute course i don't i don't know yeah it was it's just, a good question you're right there was zero flow right it seemed yeah. like in the riding maybe in the racing it was different but just in the riding it didn't seem like anybody really got into a, a a great rhythm in this in this race but uh zach where should we start men or women uh start with the women yeah. i think so um, yeah, so I mean, it ended up being, I guess, my first observation is we talked all about last year, especially, you know, the the young Dutch women just setting this blistering pace at the front. But uh, the Dutch just kind of let the Belgies do their thing. Uh, I think at one point, I think I counted like four of the first five were all Belgies. Uh, with Sana Kant leading the way, uh, uncharacteristic for her these days, kind of like really fast start leading the way. Uh, Ellen Van Loy was strong at the beginning. Uh, so I guess I found that kind of uh, kind of interesting <laughs> that they're letting the Belgies have some fun. Yeah, what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, is this is it too early to jump into our Sane watch? I mean, maybe maybe try and you know we talked earlier in the show we were talking about uh, 
not the best start for her and, you know, really sort of in that six to 10 place during the whole race. And that's where she ended up. How about, how about today, Michael? Yeah. Trent, I'm trending down one, one position. She ended up in seventh, um, hot, hot start, you know, looked good, looked strong. You know, I don't know. It's always a funny second to talk, talk about endurance with cross cause it's like under an hour, but yeah, it doesn't seem to have, be able to have the lasting ability my one sort of sauna watch note was that in the pre-race footage, she was doing some mentoring with her younger teammate, which is, I feel like nothing I've really seen before. She kind of always seemed solo. I know she was at some point kind of associated with Vanderpool's team, but I don't know. I thought that was a cool moment to see her with a younger, I assume Belgian uh, woman and sort of like mentoring on the course. And I don't know, maybe that's a, a sign of things to come. Yeah. Would that be a Julie DeWilde maybe? It would I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it, it's kind of interesting if you look at the makeup of that team. It's it's, I swear it's still on there as a Devo team, which always seemed kind of silly. And I don't know, I don't know the politics behind any of that. But you look at the other other members out there. It's uh, Low Cells is on that team, who's nowhere. You know, I mean, she's been racing for years and years, and and the same with. Uh, Karen Verstraten, you know, both, both veterans, they have like three veterans and then at least in this race. And then Julie DeWald is a 18 year old in there as well. Yeah. I'm trying to remember back. I mean, I wasn't the Devo portion a men's Devo yes. team. Yes. Yeah. So put on there and then it was still part of like the, you know, before, before uh, Vanderpool and that whole team kind of broke away. It was, it was the corn and circus it was like on the other side of that. Yeah, I think, though, I remember her team announcement last year. I think it sounds like maybe at some point more of these young women Devo riders that was part of the the deal with that. So hopefully That'd we'll see yeah. uh, some more more riders in there. Um, I don't know. I guess, like, if we're on the topic of – well, I, don't, I guess I don't want to steal your thunder, though, Bill, because you have a thing. Can we can we get to your – can we get to your – Which – Do you want to – no, you. Oh well, your please. prop bet idea. Oh my. Well, yeah. No. So <laughs> I, I think what you were talking about with the with the Belgian women who were out there leading the way. I I put out there on Twitter. Hopefully, all of you are signed up for roller derby, and we're, he'll uh, loop. I think we'll be moving into cyclocross soon enough. But my prop was, you know, over under uh, five Dutch women. In the in at the top of the race, and so far, you know, well, I mean, I guess it'd have to be four, and then you'd win both times. I mean, they got top five both times. It's all Dutch. This is like a Dutch-dominated sport right now, and and two of the fastest, if not the two fastest, Dutch women aren't even racing. That's true. Are wow. you? Are you? I you said two fastest. Are you, did I just hear, are you, are you calling, are you saying that Voss is done? Oh, <laughs> oh, you're right. I didn't even, whoa. I didn't, whoa. Yeah, this is, this is, you heard it here first. <laughs> Uh-oh. I'm going to get the Voss watch going here. Yeah. Man. Well, so I, I, yeah. Disrespecting Voss. Well, I so like, I, that, I like that you knew the one I wasn't talking about. 
Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty clear who the, <laughs> who the top two were. I mean, perhaps an oversight because she didn't race last year really. And so, you know, it, a fair oversight. I mean, I guess I wanted to, to kick it to your, um, to your prop bet idea though, because if we're talking about riders who have the ability to kind of break the stranglehold, especially on the Euro scene, this Dutch stranglehold and okay, uh, did her her fast start thing? I mean, think you know, young rider, really awesome to see her going out strong. We saw the same thing at G- one of the days of Jingle Cross. It might not have been the World Cup, but like she had a really fast start before kind of fading. Uh, and I was really impressed with just how aggressive she was. I mean, you talk about these weird features, and it actually kind of cost her a couple times. But you know, uh, she was up at the front with Castelline once Castelline kind of bridged up, and then um, Castelline was kind of running the ditch and she was just dive bombing it and you know it was a gnarly muddy mess to get up the other side so i don't know i thought it was pretty cool to see i think you're seeing her be aggressive which is good and hopefully you know the ability to do that for a full 40 to 50 will come in due time yeah i think you're right i think she'll be as the season wears on i think she'll be up there you know another you know looking at who who could have broken in there uh i i think what we are seeing, you know, some of the riders who were doing really well and up up there in the front. Um, uh, was she in? Where, was the uh, uh, Robbery? Was she in this race? Yeah. She oh, got she got tenth. Okay. Yeah. I, she said R- she was Ribero. sick, and I kind of wonder if we're seeing like, uh, I mean, to get ahead of ourselves for the mountain biking, kind of like a Yolanda Neff effect. I mean, just being sick. I would I would assume that that's kind of what's affecting her because she was a non-factor again. Yeah, I mean, that's it's, just, it's a third, second race after that EKZ race where she was sick, but you're right. You're right, Zach. I mean, he takes it out of you. Um, I don't know. I guess the one that I was thinking about this race and thinking about, like, you know, we watched Yara last year um, really have a strong season and you know, I wondered if she had, what kind of work she'd done in the off season with her, her technical skills and, and, you know, was she going to add that to her toolbox? Was she going to finally like sort of really kind of do a lot of work around that? And watching this race, I don't know. It's hard to, to say whether or not Yara has improved on that. And I, I think about that because I think about, uh, Alvarado last year and how there were things that she was lacking from her skill set, And then she would just sort of find the answer and add it. And then she would have it the next race. And that allowed her to progress so much through the year. And Yara, we know is super strong Euro champ, but coming to this race, once again, her lack of technical skills really, I mean, was essentially the deciding factor that, you know, Brandon was able to catch her and beat her. So that was kind of like my big takeaway from this race and just, I also, I, I had a hot take watching this race, so I thought that I still think that Yara is still going to win Euros again, World Cup, or the World Champs. I, I still feel that she's good enough to do that, and I wanted to say that now, this early, to, so I could, if that, if that comes true, it pays off big in the end of the podcast. So, speaking of, of Yara, so what do you feel like this course was less technical than last week's oh wow i've already forgotten last week's um no i think i think like i said because of the way you couldn't get any flow on it that it was really as someone like her who had such a hard time as you said zach anna k was riding all that stuff really well dive bombing it 
there was like, you know, it's like you kind of like once you start losing your flow, like a mistake from one corner, you take that to the next corner and it sort of builds up. So you're never quite in the zone. But this course did have enough of those straight power sections that I mean, that's where she excels. So that's how she was able to like, I mean, make that gap initially. But then you did see that, you know, all her scrambling in the middle of the race and the technical sessions really caught up with her because once brand got to her and sort of like passed her, she like the lights went out. Yeah. So and we'll get to brand. I mean, obviously we sort of alluded to, but probably buried it here winning this race. But Zach, you you have Castleen, who we were talking about in that first race, who was probably, you know, it came come over to this newly formed team, this credit shop Freestads, which I guess was Creefin. Is that what we decided last year? I think or so. Albert? Yeah, it's the same yeah. blue okay. black clit or whatever. Uh, but out of this team of Van Alphen, Backer, and Castling, Castling was third, which I think was a bit of a surprise to all of us from last week. This week, she sort of writes the ship, comes in second. Uh, but Van Alphen and Backer still, you know, is in this early season proving to be top of the class, um, getting fourth and fifth in this race. I think that. You know, again, we talked about no worse, no Alvarado, but they're they're going to be a formidable squad going forward. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, they were they raced really well, and uh, you know, I mean, I think that we can't put too much into even one or two races <laughs> for sure at this point. What uh, we, in <laughs> terms of like how Castellan is running? I don't. Yeah. Maybe she was just a little upset. Maybe it was a little. Uh, there were some of the sauces going on. Is that she felt like she needed to come back strong. Uh, you know, cause a number of those Dutch riders after that first lap were just kind of hanging in. And I mean, she was the one who was the aggressor. So, um, but yeah, it's your point, Michael, it, 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 the, the course had a weird vibe. I'm guessing she kind of excelled on kind of the more tractor pulley sections, but it was, everything felt so like just slow and awkward that yeah. maybe she benefited from that. Cause I mean, she didn't make, she kind of slipped on, in that last lap, she slipped on the one going up, which I think was going to happen. But, like, there were no disastrous mistakes. Yeah. It was just a, a cascading series of, you know, one second here, one second there. Right. With, you know, after facing, I think, too, I wonder, you know, I don't know if you guys have been in this position for whatever place you're battling for, but when someone's maybe five or ten seconds behind you, you feel a lot of pressure. And she was under pressure oh, yeah. for a lap and a half, like... You know, like she had that nice lead, but then she knew brand was coming. <laughs> yeah. So just like I, I think that starts to force you into making mistakes. And that's one of those things that you need to learn how to do is to to put that aside. And so she's you know, a young rider and we've all been there like it's hard. She's in a tough spot. That's a good point, Zach. That's that's like more of a mental thing, maybe than than so much just the physical. I like that. She heard the footsteps. Well, uh, speaking of footsteps. Did you guys have Lucinda Brand fleet of feet winning? I, uh, to me, my right, takeaway yeah. was you know my my saying that like running doesn't matter until it does, and Lucinda Brand just flat out ran right past the Arcast line, yeah. and that was pretty wild. <laughs> it, that that is that is not really I think the Lucinda Brand brand is is off the bike. Uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> But I think there's also something, you know, that I was going to say, Zach, when you were talking about this, is that Lucinda Brand is one of the premier stars of women's cyclocross, you know, was was in every elite. race, definitely elite, was looking, you know, the, the, the person that you knew 
for most of the season, Alvarado and even worse, didn't really want to get into a battle with in that in that final stretch because she's she's just a powerful rider with a with a great sprint. So a little bit of a, you know, hey, don't forget about me race after after last week for sure. You know, sort of reminding these kids uh, who, who, who the stars are. Is this where you're going to cut? What's that song? The Who Did It? The 80s band? Is that, are you going to cut that in? <laughs> don't you forget about yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, we're going a little simple minds for sure. Okay, excellent. Uh, no, yeah, no, I think it was a really good race. I, I, I don't know. I, it, it had a lot going on. It uh, went down to the last lap. So I, I found it an enjoyable viewing experience. Um, one thing before, I think we should move on to the men's next, but one last thing is that speaking of just sort of the up and comers, Sharon Van Andrew, God, sorry. How do you say her name? Van Androys? Droy? Whatever. Uh-huh. Okay. Wow. I'm making it much. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Zach. She, she, uh, DNF, something happened to her. I don't know what exactly it was, but she definitely had to leave the, the course. And, you know, we, she joined telling that this year so we've been kind of been wanting to kind of you know see have her breakout race in the in the lion's colors but not yet yeah yeah for sure i think that'll but at least at least lucinda was able to get well the the first the first win of the year right for the, for the lions which is a great segue uh into the men's race i mean man i uh so we had some concerns that last week we had tone if you didn't know that he was off to a bad start, you were thinking that it might be the the Ellie show again. That didn't happen. <laughs> Even better, Lawrence Sweck was in the mix. And you know what oh that means. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he was I was watching that race and I was like, man, he is making the case right now for elite status. And I was like, I was like, I okay, I, I was I was totally all in. I was like, Lawrence, elite. Totally. He's riding so elite right now. Like he's taking it to Ailey. He's taking it to him, like, and then what happened, guys? So here's my theory. And this is just uh, not even a theory, but a thing that I've noticed. Um, and it happened last week is that when Ailey attacked and Tom was with him up that hill, like Lawrence was just, you look back and Lawrence was just like not there. And I think when when Tone eventually got his gap, he kind of put in an attack. I'm just kind of wondering if part of what's making him so inconsistent, he doesn't have like this big top end. He doesn't have the top end to follow these moves. And I don't know, it just seems like that's kind of what he's lacking to put these races away. And it just, I don't know, even going back to last year, you can look at like when Lawrence missed the move. Seems to be a right. chronic move misser. That makes sense because he was riding those ditches much better than Tone. Tone was always foot out you know Lawrence could ride up and down both sides but tone was still able in in the power sections in the flat sections like yara to to get the gap so i think that's that's spot on zach do you think it's too early do you think this is it's you know this is september racing and you know we we haven't started the day we haven't started the super prestige we haven't started the how many do we have left nine eight nine ten ten we had ten world cups no we're done it Eight, eight, eight World Cup season. Well, so, I mean, TBD, I guess, in terms of that. I think, uh, I mean, big mistake from from Ellie that just really cost him. He ran into a post and got stuck yeah. and didn't have anything after that. But I don't know. I just, uh, Tone looked really good. I, I He, he did. didn't look belabored. I think at the beginning of last year, I would use the word belabored, even when he was finishing second be- behind Ailey. 
Uh, I don't know. I, he looks strong and confident in a way that we didn't see last year. Well, and also healthy, right? I mean, coming off of Namor, where he you know cracked those ribs and everything, and his shoulder and whatever else. I mean, he's pretty messed up for the rest of the year, so he's probably feeling pretty good finally again. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, the big story here, though. <laughs> we need we got to come up with something. It can't be Tebow watch. What what are we, what are we calling this? Tebow time? Uh, n- <laughs> nice point two? I don't know. Like, nice what? time? Nice. nice. Time. <laughs> Happy fun, nice time? <laughs> so Tebow, but, you know, who, who had a inauspicious debut at the top level of cyclocross, uh, comes into his second non-Swiss race and uh, pulling off a fifth place. Not not a yeah. bad not a bad result to the to the point that you know I had a fun Twitter moment where I put it out there that uh, <laughs> you know telling Lars Vanderhaar who got fourth keep that head down you don't want the boss's kid catching you and uh, Sven retweeted that which I I thought, thought was pretty hilarious. Oh man, what does Lars think about that? <laughs> I know <laughs> it's rough. So I have a question. Do you think Lars knew that there was a forthcoming episode of the Media Pit in which he was called not elite? Ooh. Ooh. You know, but look, two weeks in a row, right? First touch. There you go. Yeah. He's holding down for somebody. Yeah. He's holding down for the Netherlands, the, the male Netherlands, the homes. Can we talk about Nyes real quickly? He's, he had red tires. I don't. Maybe. That's uh, the challenge. I think went red this year, didn't we? See, oh, really? Uh, yeah, we we were sharing uh, from Cannondale right? CX World. They're back on challenge this year, right? Uh, oh, and I think they're doing the red. I was kind of disappointed. I mean, seeing the the green machine didn't get a special green team edition, but my understanding is the team editions are red this year, based on what we've uh, seen on socials. Okay. All right. Just thought that was kind of fun. Be, fun be ready for a uh, Cannondale. Be ready for a. Uh, for a cursed period with those, you know, the Christmas week with their uh, <laughs> red and green uh, colorway. So one question I had, I, you know, I, we obviously Tebow has a lot of hype and maybe one thing I'll go back and I might have to bust out the cross stats now that we actually have a season, yes. but it's kind of curious how, you know, Matthew and Wout did in their uh, first U23 year. And I just really quick looked at Wout and he was consistently top five. Uh, and so I guess it'd be kind of curious to kind of like take a look at who the competition was that year. And then the next year, Wout was winning every other race. And so I don't know, I, I kind of want to establish that baseline that we're going to evaluate him against. But it seems like, you know, if he it truly is a talent of that level, maybe we should be expecting top consistent top fives and podiums all of this year. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that y- y- this is this is such a weird season too to to see it this early is is kind of strange because i think at this point we'd had world cups and super you know where he would have been racing category you know u23 uh the the other guy this usually happened after worlds this would be sort of the that second half of the season where they would just unleash the kids 
on on the elite fields and i think probably to the chagrin of the older riders who had already like raced 40 times and and then had these <laughs> these little whippersnappers out there and another one you know other than wow and i think vanderpool in there sort of ripping it up Ezer, i remember Ezerby doing the same thing you know he'd get into these races and he would just go crazy in there and even even like michael vantern out i think also had some nice elite races and i think yeah i think that'd actually be really cool to look at maybe we'll uh come back next week with um sort of what the what the kids did well and i'm especially curious though i think the the comparison has to be matthew has to be matthew and wow right we're yeah, talking sure. about this kid as a generational talent like right am i not you know in races that matter i'm talking about regular seat the regular season <laughs> um but yeah no i guess that that expands kind of the the realm of what we can look at though so yeah i will i think we might have to do that yeah I think I think the one thing about Nyes is like he's got to have a lot of pressure on him, and, and maybe he doesn't. I don't know his dynamic with his father, but you, you you do seem that Sven after retirement still you know pretty much had his foot to the to the pedal and was working out and riding and is is doing all the things right. He's busy and you know I you can see that he was proud of his son and 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 and, and was his son accomplished a lot of things. And so I just, I always kind of think about that too. Like, I don't know. I wonder, you know, I feel like maybe Vanderpool and, and wow, didn't have that sort of pressure. And I know that obviously Vanderpool has Pulador and his father, but maybe because they aren't like directly involved or like the, the sort of, I don't know. I feel like the time period between Adri and Matthew was a little bigger than Sven and, uh, Tebow, but Bill, you're—I feel like you're—you've got a—you've got a, a, a take against that. No, I, I think Vanderpool had had expectations on him from a very young age. Yeah, and, okay. You know, even if it wasn't directly in cyclocross, I think he was winning on the road as a as a youngster. You know, he was he was out there doing it. I I, I think that that Sven has a much more american style approach to marketing and media so he was a much okay. bigger presence especially for us uh and it, it, you know in the days now where all this stuff is out there where yeah even a couple years ago without instagram without you know as much twitter coverage and just this black hole of internet in the netherlands and belgium you didn't hear about Matthew in the same way, but I think that his his star was definitely shining as bright. So yes. you're saying Matthew did not have like a three part special. Matthew, uh, about him did, his dad Matthew on did not Belgian have a TV. Did not did not come in at the epilogue of a feature film riding through cornfields being called the next one. <laughs> I forgot about that film. Um, but Matthew did have a reality TV show though, right? Where he's in his RV and his underwear dancing to remember that? I, I just no. vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> Are we um anything else we want to add to the uh to the cyclocross conversation before we uh move on to uh mountain bike? Do we want to cover cyclocross like other news things we found out yeah a couple the... other couple other items i mean i think the the first one is that trek uh came out today and announced i guess that they still have their world cup so that's good to hear and it's going to be the weekend uh october what did they say 8th 8th through 11th um so i guess 11 would be the 
well, I don't know when the World Cup's going to be in there, if it's Saturday or Sunday, but that, that, that'll be the weekend. So we will be, assuming um, we're all allowed to leave our homes again, we will be uh, having at least one World Cup in the U.S. next year in 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 Wisconsin. So we got that news. Um, and then the other, the other news was, you know, we've been wondering what Stephen Hyde is going to do. And I, I think we have some clues. Uh, there hasn't been an official announcement, but it looks like he will be racing on the same team as Raylan Nuss, uh, which is sponsored by MAP and by Mini and SRAM. So uh, found himself in a program. If you look at his Instagram, he seems very excited about it, yet he told all of us we don't really know the full story. So I guess we'll have to wait for the full story. But you got some thoughts on that, Michael. What do you think is going on? Well, they said they were heading to Lawrence, Kansas for their team training camp. And I, I'm thinking this is a gravel adventure team, like with some cross thrown in. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess the other, other big sponsor there is Specialized as well. So they'll be on Specialized Bikes. So. If you were wondering why Salen Del Carmen Alvarado was not racing in these early cyclocross races, it's because she was dipping her toe into the mountain bike world, showed up in the Czech Republic to to hang out at Nova Mesto in the U23 World Cup, U23 World Cup competition, came in in round one, second place. Huge surprise. Everybody like, wow, Alvarado putting those skills to work. She can uh, race some mountain biking. Round two, boom, winner. Crushed it. What do you guys think? I mean, you, she, it, it, she's like, this is like the team thing. She's like saying, hey, Matthew, anything you can do, I can do better. Want to go race some mountain bikes? I can do that. I agree. I mean, I know she did a little bit of road this year, yeah. but I, not nothing to the Vanderpool standards, but maybe, maybe next year. My question is, Bill, do you think the media there were also just not aware of Alvarado and just passing her by and, and, and letting good interviews, you know, walk away? What do you think? I, I they're did. aware of her? The the only person who I saw with a photo of her who is a World Cup mountain bike photographer is Irmo Kaiser. And I saw Irmo at Hoogerheide because he lives like down the road from there. He's a Dutch photographer. And I was like, dude, what are you doing at cyclocross race? And he was like, oh, it's a, I figured it'd come out. You know, and he's got like, I think Shimano's his client. So he's, you know, just working that race, whatever. And then he had, he was the only one that had photos of her. And I left a comment in his thing saying, Hey man, good thing you scouted her out at Hoogerheide. And he was like, yep, absolutely. So I think you're right. I think they're still, they still don't know, um, know about her. And, uh, once she moves up to that elite level, I think that, um, I, I hope she does a whole season. I think it would be amazing. I think she, she could really, um, be right up there as well. And it'd be great for the sport. So we already talked about, you know, just to get to it, Pitcock also won for the second time in a row. Yeah, Pitcock, in the Pitcock swept the U23s, yep. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm super stoked and we'll get to, to Evie in a sec. But I mean, I just love this year. Cyclocross racers are just doing, I mean, I hope that something comes back to, to the sport. I mean, these young riders who maybe have a future elsewhere, but it's just like, I don't know. It was kind of hilarious listening to them gush about Evie over and over. And it's just like, <laughs> we've been watching her do this to people who are adults for three years now. Yeah. Like, you know, so hopefully something will come back to the the sport, seeing Pidcock and Alvarado and Wow and Matthew and Evie and, you know, who really started as cyclocross racers just 
like making a name for themselves in like big ways. Yeah, and even even for Pidcock and Alvarado, and to explain, you know, to correctly explain how mountain bike is working this year, we had two rounds of the World Cup, both in Nova Meso, both in the same week, which is just extraordinary for these racers because it is usually such a meticulous sport. It's not like cyclocross where, oh, we're going to have five races in seven days? Cool, we'll do that. No problem. And somehow they're able to do it and just like crush every one of those. This is like you have these two-week blocks, you know, and you race Hmm. if you are at the elite level and in the top 50, you'll race Friday night in the short track and you'll race Sunday in 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 your World Cup race, which is like hour 15, hour 20 minutes. Here it was race short track, what was it, Tuesday, and then race Thursday, and then race Friday, and then race Sunday. I mean, it was a ton of racing, which made it super exciting, super fun, and to think we went through the whole season in one week, and (laughs) other than, I think, today's women's elite race, which was a bit of a snooze fest, which was the wrong one for you to introduce to somebody, Zach, uh, it was it was great racing. And w- w- the end of the mountain bike season is next week, and it is the world championship. So you have the opportunity for Pitcock and Alvarado to both be world champions again, but this time in a different sport. I thought I heard that Alvarado's not doing she, Oh, that's right. Simon was saying she's not signed up for Worlds. Hopefully now that she's won, she'll do it. Well, I mean, especially because Evie's going to be racing. Evie's going to be racing. Uh, so we're talking about Evie Richards. Yep. Uh, she won the short track, which we talked about earlier. She Twice. won the short track again <laughs> after crashing in the, the last lap. Uh, you know, so I think she was really making a name for herself. And then she finished sixth today, which is, you know, just a super, super duper impressive result for her. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, I'd love to see that. Yeah. And you, you look know? at, you look at that generation of racers. I mean, Lecompte is, uh, just a, a phenom coming out of nowhere for, for France, you know, won the first world cup was third today. But if you look at who Evie was racing previously, it was uh, like Cena Frey and then um, Kate Courtney. Those were really her two big rivals coming up through uh, U23. And she beat both of them today and I think possibly uh, in the first round as well. So this is a really long way of saying we had three weeks of mountain biking where normally we have three months, if not more of mountain biking after next week, mountain biking at the highest level is done. Here's my dream fellow media pit folks that all of these people were talking about, plus all of their friends that they can bring over from the mountain bike world cup who now have nothing else to do because mountain biking is done. And they haven't, they don't have like months and months and months of racing in their legs where they're like, I need a break. I need a break. They've just started racing. There is no excuse that we don't get like everyone in the world now racing cyclocross. They should all be racing that, that, that third row should be just chock full in these world cups. Yes. Of the top MTV racers in the world. I mean, I think like, I think it would be good. Uh, I mean, I think especially, you know, I mean, I think we would all agree that the men's side has gotten kind of, I mean, it's, we know like the top five players and that's really it right now. We, we could use the, it could be used to, to spite, be spiced up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. for sure. Uh, I guess one interesting observation, maybe, I don't know if it's interesting that I had is, you know, uh, 
Pauline Ferran Prevost just absolutely crushed the elite women's race. But uh, there was this one Rudy climb that was just like only, you know, some riders were riding it. And by the end of the race, it was just so hard to get up. Uh, but the woman who finished second, Anna Terpstra, would try to ride it and then get stuck. And I think Ferran Prevost, I, I'm convinced that she called on her cyclocross experience to just commit to the run. And she's like, I'm not even going to bother. Uh, and, you know, I think you could see Terpstra losing two seconds every lap because she tried to ride it and never didn't have that clean dismount. So I don't know. I was just one random observation. I, I think of, you're right too. And I think it's the clean dismount part as well. I think that if you race cyclocross, you're prepared to dismount, right? You know, well ahead of hand, that's what you're taught that don't lose the momentum, dismount early run, keep your momentum instead of just getting bogged down and then getting off coming into a complete stop. So I really think you're right that PFE having that experience knew okay, this is a section that I'm not going to be able to go. I'm not going to just chance it. Let me just get off, keep that momentum going. And, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, bringing in those uh, cyclocross skills for sure. Well, speaking of bringing in skills, I mean, along with the dismount, you have the remount, and we saw Evie Richards in the short track on Friday crash in the they-don't-do-that-in-Europe uh, 180 U-turn and then immediately get back on her bike and then charge to the front and then win the sprint. So yeah, that was that was we were we were all chatting and watching that race live, and and that was a lot of fun. Um, I think Do you know. I think yeah. Go ahead. I was to say the weird thing about that. So they had the traditional new rule triangle end of the of the one eighty, and it was a horrible. It's a, just a horrible place for a one eighty. And I mean, all of you all listening probably have raced cyclocross. You know that putting those cyclocross tires on asphalt, especially if it's a little wet and then putting a 180 turn on there is just taking your life in your hands. Every time you, you maneuver around there, you know, those, those tires are made for dirt and gripping them, not necessarily asphalt. So they changed it for the cross country race to more of a square. Like they put more in there so you couldn't come back around. It didn't help at all. There were more people crashing around that bend today and it was like, perfectly dry but that that short but evie on that i mean that was just like classic cyclocross I, i'm thinking about doing a video on it because how she sussed out that 180 throughout the race was was pretty cool because she kept maneuvering and changing her line like she got she got mm. jammed up early on because she tried to cut it really close to the barrier or the tape and then by the end, she was taking it super wide. And then I think she came in there when she was, because she was trying to attack out of that turn. And I think that's what caused her to, to crash because she was just going in there super hot and just lost it. But yeah, it looked very cyclocrossy, Zach. So can we, let's spice things up. Yes. In that sprint, did PFP have a legitimate beef with Evie no. Richards and her bows? Let me ask you no. this. Did Philippe get DQ'd today or relegated? Yes. Yeah. Was it anything as bad as that? Not at all. Not at all. No. Because she, she still had... The thing is that Evie came over, what, like six inches on her? To her left? Yeah, and a little bit. I mean, it's like it's like you... Yeah, it wasn't a lot. And it's like almost like when you know someone's there, you just, you just you can't help gravitating, but it wasn't... The aggressive move. It and, wasn't the look back. And how much and how much space was there between PFP on her left to the barrier? 
three feet? Seemed to be three. Seemed to it be was enough. like the entire half the road. Yeah. I mean, she had I, some space. I, I don't I mean I don't want to cast aspersions, but since we're getting spicy here, it looked to me like PFP was beat and was trying to save a little face. I think I think it's one of those things where like you kind of yeah she didn't have the sprint she couldn't come around evie she wasn't going to come around evie is just explosive in that sprint and you saw after the race that they were they were smiling and chatting together so like it i think it was just kind of like a in the moment ah throw your hand up but i i kind of don't also feel like the pfp was really you know i don't think she felt too aggrieved um but it was a it was a great finish, and it provided for a little bit of action and drama at the end. And and then and, and then in the the post race interview, Evie just uh, you go watch the race. It only takes twenty five minutes to watch that. the The second short track race should be up on Red Bull somewhere. But in the in the post race comments, a she's like super apologetic to PFP, explaining how she never races in groups, has never raced on the road. She's still learning and she, the last thing she wants to do is upset anyone. And then she tops it off with a shout out to the boys in the village for uh, for racing her, <laughs> racing her during the week to help her get faster for the season. It's great. Yeah, it was wonderful. A little disappointed. Yeah. I mean, maybe PFP could have pulled out, pulled a out, and uh, you know, gave her the bird. But you know, a little bit more friendly on yeah. the inside. Yeah. So it, I, I think PFP answered her her pretty well today. Yeah. Um, with her win in yeah. in, in the in the uh, so what is not short track? It's just called X. So short track is XCC. No. Yeah. And then and, and then, then the cross country. It's Sorry. cross country XCO, which would be cross country Olympic. And that's the okay. shorter distance. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of skimmed through that race, and she had a huge gap, and she, you know, it, you just look at the type of riders they are. I mean, Evie is like a powder keg and just has that explosive power, and PFP is, you know, just kind of like has it all and maybe a little more of the long game, so... It played out. They they sort of both won. You know, they sort of both were able to succeed at their strengths. Um, yeah, I mean, you so. can. I, I think Evie is a, a wonderful cross country racer, but and who am I? But I think she might be built more like a cross racer, or at least that's where her skill not built, but that's where her skills are. You know, and I think that she's pretty scary when she gets on a cyclocross course, especially with less climbing and just more more explosive. Sections. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, though, to be, I mean, they call it mountain biking for a reason. And, you know, sometimes I think, I don't know where you guys race, but here we forget about that here in the Midwest, you know, but you have to be able to climb. And, you know, that's really where PFP excelled. You could see they did this graphic where, you know, she was picking up 10 seconds on Terpstra and the climbs, then losing like four on the descents. And um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, you know, definitely for Evie. I mean, I'm still so impressed with with that result, and hopefully, you know, we've seen her climb at Namur. But you're right; even the climbs aren't as long, and they're a little bit more explosive. Where it's a different, could be a different style of climbing. Yeah, yeah um, it was. Yeah, she's a really good cyclocross racer. The, we gotta get we gotta get Evie over to the United States to do a little uh, USA crits action. Yeah, get her get her on the road. So they had a uh, speaking of the elevation. So in the men's race, which is again, if if you want to go watch. I, I think 
the most exciting race of, of the week. I watched uh, the second round of the World Cup in, in the men's race. But for the first round, it was it came down to Simon Andreessen, another cross guy, beat Ellie Ezerbeet in the junior for Junior Worlds, won the Junior World Championship in Czech Republic. So he, he likes the Czech Republic. That's another thing, you know. Uh, and then uh, he was racing against uh, Milan Vader, great name, who is a <laughs> the Dutch national champ, another young guy. And they were comparing the, uh, the elevation changes in both of their countries. And I think Denmark was a little more because it was like 323 meters. And then like the Netherlands is 171 meters of climbing in the whole country. <laughs> and there they Amazing. are at the, top, at the top of the mountain biking world. So anybody can do it. All right. Well, sweet. That was just a small little add-on. Yeah, a small just little 50-minute sure, add-on. <laughs> just to turn the other episode. No big deal. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys for indulging this and, and coming back, and thank you all for listening, and we'll be uh, back with more, uh, more cyclocross. We've got uh, the series start this weekend, uh, right? Like, um, not Degum. I'm uh, pulling up the calendar. All right, let's do it. Uh, we've got, uh, like, Guyton. Guyton. Keaton. It's on. Is that a super prestige? Yep. It's on. All right. So we're going to have. When does the yeah, world, we'll, when's first World Cup? Should be cool. Tabor in November. roughly November 17th ish. Awesome. Uh, wait, what's over? What about over SC? Oh. When is that? Is Tabor not the first one? That is, um, sorry, November 1st. Okay. Oh, that's right. You're right. Is that Troyven Cross? Yes, because Cope, well, Copenberg is on Halloween this year. Right. It's kind of weird. Like, the first time it's not on whatever the holiday is, the All Saints Day or whatever, yeah. whatever they call it. All right. Great. World Cup starting soon. Sweet. We'll see you next time. The Slow Ride Podcast, three idiots who are usually wrong. The Slow Ride Podcast, the titanium of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. It's like if David Vanderpool had a podcast. The Slow Ride Podcast, the Zwift Racing of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, find the real advice. The Slow Ride Podcast, the arrow helmet of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, sport leader coming through. The Slow Ride Podcast, when's Lance going to sue us? The Slow Ride Podcast, the experts in French cycling. The Slow Ride Podcast. Official Fan Experience Zone on Facebook. The Slow Ride Podcast, the gravel bike of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, both vertically and horizontally compliant. The Slow Ride Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday.